Because to be white in 1963, and I would argue still today, is to have the luxury, the privilege, if you will, of not having to know black and brown truth. You can be oblivious to the reality of people of color and suffer no consequence. Very, very segregated country. Millions of white Americans live in places where they rarely see anyone of a different race. You're listening to Your Neighbor's Hood, a podcast for uncomfortable culture conversations, specifically about race. Do your thing, Christina and Jackie. We did it. It's I know. Working. And it's recording. Yay. Yay. Good job, Jackie. Thank you. I'm trying to be a good person, and it just does not love me. I know. It's it's right. we make yeah. it work. As Jackie says, we make it work. <laughs> this is true. This is true. So we're in two different sides of town. Yeah, we are. For the first time recording on t- in two different neighborhoods. That's true. Really true. Yeah. So I'm, I'm home, but you are. Tell everyone where you are. I am home in Illinois with my brother. He just yeah. had a baby and surgery so i am here um being a service it's always nice to do that yeah it is you're being a good sister i am i really i am such a good sister (laughs) i think so (laughs) yeah you you said the baby oh my goody goodness he has dimples oh i know i have I, I I took a lot of pictures of him this morning because I like to hang out with him. Yeah. And he kind of looks at me crazy. Here's a oh, <gasps> oh my goodness. He looks older than a newborn, doesn't he? Yeah, he was he was eight pounds and some change. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say he looked like a big baby. He is look at that. <laughs> oh my god, he's cute. Look at those eyes. Look at he's scrunchy face. He's like Yes, he's time. got face expressions. So babies make face expressions from the time they're born. Yes, he just is always like, and I was like, am I that confusing? Because I feel like adults look at me this way too. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. <laughs> it probably, it probably is. Oh my God. Or he's like, oh, excuse me, lady. I don't know where your voice came from, but you need to shut the hell up now. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Gosh, well, he's cute. So is that what's good in your hood? Probably. Oh, yeah, that's what's good in my hood. It's been, I left last week, so it's been, it's been a good time just traveling. I don't know. I like traveling. I feel like that'll be us one day. Just traveling together. Just fun traveling together. Get in trouble. (laughs) Cocktails before the flights. Right. Just, just Make good conversations. Yeah. Meet yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And I got to see my longtime friend, which is always a blessing. Just oh, I love that. Yeah. Sit and talk. I think we sat till like two in the morning and talked. And I was just like, what can we talk about? Nothing. That's so nice, though. Because it's like when you don't get to go home that often, you don't get to see those friends that you've had forever. So that's good for yeah. you. I love that. How about you? What's good in your hood? Um, what's good in my head? Um, well, we had our Navy party, which is fun, a Navy holiday party. I miss those. Yeah, you miss those? Did you? (gasps) Yeah, good prizes. Good prizes. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. So, speaking of that, I got like really nice bow. How do you say it? Bose or bossy? Bose. Bose earphones. And great and really exciting. But then we went out to get a drink after and they got stolen. (sighs) No. It was my fault. I just set them down, got a drink, turned around, and they were gone. So I'm trying not to be attached to them. You know what I mean? Like, let it go, but it's hard not to be upset. <laughs> so for listeners that don't know, they, okay, so the Navy party, the, the, the highlight is the fact that they give away gifts. Like, some people got, like, a 55-inch TV, iPads, watch it, like, um, Apple watches. So, like, these prizes aren't, like, they're not legit prizes Um, and so I got really nice earphones and then lost them (laughs) I know it's all right though that is the story (laughs) that I was gonna say that's the story of my life you get this come up and then it's like uh... that's exactly how I feel that's how I to be honest that's how I felt like the last week just like little things have been happening like I'm doing well and then all of a sudden like one little thing happens and you're like 
I was doing so good and I get one setback. <laughs> it's all right though. We keep it. We keep. What does Jackie say? We keep it moving and we make it work. You keep it moving, make it work. That's true. That, well, I feel for you because I, I I know that hard sinking feeling. Yeah, it is because it's like I've gone to these parties since Clayton and I've been together about five years now, and I've never won anything. Yeah. They called my number, and you know, you get overly excited when they call your number. And I went and got my little prize, and then an hour later, I lost it. But it's all right. It's all right. Somebody needed it, and that's what know. I said. That's always my thing. Is like I was like, you know what? I just pray that the person, or hope that the person that stole them. You know what? If you needed them, you needed them more than I did. You know? Wait a minute. So did somebody steal them at the Christmas party? Yeah. Well, afterwards. So it could have been someone from the Navy. I don't know. All I know is we had we were in a ballroom. Then we went upstairs to get a drink um, afterwards. And I set them down. And they were gone like 15 minutes later. So it could have been a Navy person or it could have just been someone random. Somebody there. Okay, random. Right. I was about to say at the Christmas party. Right. Right. I don't <laughs> think it was someone at the Christmas party. I think it um, you know, it's my fault. You know, you make silly mistakes. I was like, oh, it'll take, I'm going to get my drink. It'll be fine. And then, you know. <laughs> yeah. Boo. You, or no, today you guys will be hearing about our implicit biases that we shared with each other. And what makes us different is like before we've talked about what implicit bias was, we did the definition, we did a whole episode on it, but we never talked about our own. All right, guys. So here you go. Get uncomfortable with us. You're going to be dropping in. You're right here. Hey. Are we ready? I think we're ready. I'm nervous about this one. <laughs> Someone asked us recently, what was your most uncomfortable conversation? This yeah. one's going to top. You think all so? All of them. I think so. For me. Okay. Okay. So guys, we are, well, first of all, we're Christy. I'm Christina. And I'm Jackie. Yep. And this is your so name. Is so today we are talking about bias. Yeah. Biases that, but biases that we have. Right. So we talk about bias all the time, but. But we never really go like, into detail on our own. And I think it stems from the episode on children and bias. Yes. It got me thinking about the biases that I pass on to my little citizens. Yeah. That I that I know that I need to probably work a little bit better at not passing along. Right. But I do it. And so it's hard. My challenge for me is to look at my bias. And we decided that's yeah, something and, we and, both need to And we like to it. share them because we encourage people to come to the table with these conversations. And I'd like to preface this to say, I don't, in order to do this, I don't necessarily know that you have to go to the person that you have a bias about and tell them. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to say, like, we are doing this and we are sharing ours for the sake of teaching and showing how we work through our own biases, but it's not helpful to go tell the person. You know what I mean? Well, if... Or say, I have this bias about you, but I know it's not true. Like, I mean, I think we, it goes back to what we kind of what we talk about when we're talking, when we're having these conversations, you should be in the business first of building relationships and then having uncomfortable conversations, unless that it's a setting. Like if you come to one of our just dinners and and you show up with the intent of having uncomfortable conversations, I don't think it's necessary to just flat out be trying to have, yeah, be build the relationship yeah and I don't think this is something that you I think this is something what we're about to talk about is that it isn't necessarily a white non-white no sort of conversation oh, gosh, no 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 age gender doesn't matter if you were breathing and you were human you have biases yeah. and they don't have to be race oh you said that but race related yeah and I think that even digesting some of my biases make me think about um some things I probably need to work out with my with people that look just like me. Yeah, sure. Wow. I know you said that because I came up with a few and then you were like, I have some against my own people. And I was like, I do too. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to share or you want me to go first? Um, it's up to you. So this is, this is. Here we go. This is it. You want me to start? With yeah, one? you start. I'll start with one of my easiest ones okay. to come up with as my bias towards police. Sure. I have a huge implicit bias towards um, police. And believe you me, it's not just because of what we've seen in the, the news Recently, it is also because of life. So, Mia. Oh. All right, yeah. So we had an interruption from the dog. Sorry. That's how, I mean, because like this, you really in our neighborhood. Yeah. 
you're in our hood and they love to uh, be a part of the show. Yes. But so I was saying my probably most prominent bias is with police. And I grew up in a place where I watched my mother get harassed by the police. Mm. I was harassed by the police in, in, in thinking about it, going back to like when I really was cognizant of it was middle school time frame that we had a lot of times the police like they wouldn't let they would let the European American kids ride their bike in the mm. street but then they would tell us that we would get a ticket or that we would be in trouble if we wow. rode our bike in the street and we couldn't play in the streets or I remember a police officer um, pulling me over and for he didn't have it he couldn't even give me a reason and and literally like scraping something off my car as my father's car or whatever or knowing I can't go to certain sides of town because you know like if you're you you can't drive through certain neighborhoods because the police were known for pulling over people and then you know just being harassed in our own home sometimes oh I'm getting upset so like being harassed by the police in our own home and um, just watching what they did in the neighborhood, I grew a bias towards them. Sure. And and, and even when we had something very traumatic happen to us, uh, I, I, I know I've shared this, that we had a swastika painted on our house. The response from the police was just like so, it was just like, so I grew this attitude that police really don't care yeah. about, even though I had a great... Uh, Dare teacher, Mr. You know, Officer Mano was our our dare guy, and he was a great police officer. And I think there was that trust with him. But overall, as I as from from middle school and even now as an adult, I feel some sense of hostility. Sure. When I'm, you know, I mean, it's lived experience. You have yeah. real lived experience. Yeah, and even my husband, and I have had experiences, and I you know, I try to push it back. I try to push it back in myself and be like, you know, what, it's irrational. Yeah. Um, but again, I think is now it's just trauma that you sure. had with it. Yeah. It's hard to. So what am I doing now? I just tell myself I have to tell my remind myself that it's irrational. Um, not not actually. Let me stop lying. It's not irrational, but everybody isn't that particular police department. Everybody. I just live by the model as I give everybody else the opportunity to fuck it up with me. Mm. So instead of taking individual that off, by individual. Yep. Yep. And it doesn't. And I'm not just saying. I'm saying police in general. White, black, you know. Asian, Hispanic, period. The uniform gives me anxiety. Yeah, I could see that based on your lived experience. But I want to do better. Yeah. How about you? What's a bias? Yeah, so I would say one of mine was, and this is lived, it's not lived experience, and mine that black neighborhoods are dangerous. Yeah. You know, um, and I know exactly where that comes from. I don't feel that way now, but well, I mean, I do. You, you. It's hard. It's hard. I go back and forth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. It, I. It goes back from when I was living in Ohio and I was living in the suburbs, and it was just told, like we knew that we weren't allowed to go to the city. Like it was just kind of mm-hmm. like my mom. I. I wasn't allowed to drive downtown by myself. I wasn't allowed to drive, which is very different because a lot of my I had friends that lived in the city of Cleveland that were white, but my. Bubba raised me and for the most part, you know, and I, she didn't even know she had bias. No. She wasn't being racist. It was just a fear, right? Mm. And we've talked about fear mongering before. Yeah. But yeah, because um, downtown was primarily African American. Yeah. So that's something that I have to work on. And I, I think I've definitely gotten better just because I've just in relationship with you. Knock 8,000 doors in your neighborhood and know that it's not you know, dangerous. Mm -hmm. So I would say the way that I was able to work through that bias is lived experience. Yeah, I can tell you, I probably share that bias. Mm -hmm. Do you really? Yeah. That's so interesting. Well, I live in a neighborhood now that is, it is a mixed neighborhood for the Mm -hmm. most part, but I know that even where I lived when we moved out of the city into the suburbs, there was a certain section of the neighborhood that was just you were more prone to get caught up in something mm-hmm. or or whatever, or even visiting some of my relatives in the projects. It, it causes anxiety because you just don't know. So there is that level of anxiety of going into some neighborhoods that are predominantly black that are, it's, it's scary. Yeah. It, it's scary. I mean, like, seriously scary. And I would say, this just goes right into my second one, that that's a big portion of the African community is poor, yeah. you know, poverty and dangerous. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, again, I don't, that bias has worked its way through, but so a lot of, let me, let me say this. A lot of the ones I'm saying are ones I've had. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because I really am being honest. I don't have a lot of them right now, but that's because of the work that I do in, in Norfolk, I would say the majority of my friends are actually African-American. So I've seen a different side of things, but before they were, I had these biases. Does that make sense? It makes sense. And I will say that one came from the only exposure I had was to African-Americans living in poverty. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, I didn't have any, I did not know any affluent or even just middle class black people. I just didn't. And so the ones that I was exposed to that lived in poor neighborhoods that were deemed dangerous. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. And I, 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 will, I will, too, kind of put to that is that I only grew up with one one or two family members that were considered successful, gotcha. even middle class. Oh, wow. Okay. Do you know what I'm sure. saying? So I could see why that image, that why that image has happened to some of us, some black folks, because we didn't necessarily get to have that auntie or that uncle that was just doing great. Mm-hmm. That was just like, sure. you know. Not, you didn't see it. You didn't really see it. So it's hard to see a way out. But I was very fortunate enough to have one or two that is like, okay, they're still married and they're doing all right and something to admire. To yeah, admire. that's another one to be, before just bring them up, it's like African-American girls get pregnant. Oh, a yeah. lot. You know what I mean? And I don't know why. Or they're single moms. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're predominantly single moms. And again, there's nothing... As I'm processing this, I don't know... I kind of know where the stereotypes came, or the biases come from because I wasn't exposed to anything else. It's not an excuse. Yeah. And I think... A lot of our biases come because once we learn the truth or once we make intentional relationships, you're like, oh, my God, my perception of the African-American community was completely wrong. Yeah. And I think that that you said the exposure, but then it's also the history. Yeah. Because that adds a layer to it. And that has added a layer to me for me too sure. in, in looking at some of those biases that I have in my own community and saying yo this is really fucked up and it wasn't because these people all of them have made this choice mm-hmm. are there some now that are that are very cognizant and making the choice absolutely but you know like when it comes to teenage I watched Teen Mom and I was like I ain't seen no black girls on there yeah exactly <laughs> no exactly and they're I, 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 yeah absolutely that's a but, really great point I mean, it's all white <laughs> but, but, but it was it was a matter of um, understanding that there was a history and that the reason why it is so rampant, and I'm using that word because that's what we see about black folks and about, um, you know, or non-white folks in a sense, is that that was what, that's the image that was fed to us, but also there's some historical context as to why. Yeah. And that makes it even, that that to me dispels that bias even more is that I know that this is not because I come from a line of people that that men don't want to be with their families or that, you know, that we we don't make good choices or I know that historic the history has done what it needed to do to keep this bias in place yep. for me. It still does. Yeah, for me and for people that and for people that don't look like me. So I have a along with neighborhoods, mm-hmm. I have a bias where I have to check myself when I see um, a large group of black kids. Oh wow. Because it are when you look at uh, at New or even where I grew up, if we traveled in large packs, we were considered like Dangerous. hooligans. Yeah, like hooligans. And even I was like, you up to look at them in their streets. You know, I'm like, but I've seen large packs of white kids, of European American kids that have been skateboarding up the street and not had those same feelings. Right. Or and I was like, yes, yeah. I'm like, I was bred to think that we yeah, should that not be interesting to me. in large groups. Yeah. And I'm like, we have the most fun when it's more of us. <laughs> you know what I mean? We weren't out there, but I know that I have to check that when I see it. Mm-hmm. When I see on my block in particularly, young men headed up to the basketball courts and y'all don't like that they got their pants egg and I don't like all that, but I know that doesn't make them inherently bad. No. That doesn't, doesn't make them dangerous. No, up to anything. Mm-hmm. But I have to fight what some some of the old folks. Let me just say it in my realm and what media has done and say they know wrong with those boys. Mm-hmm. They ain't doing nothing but going and and even if they're not going to play basketball, they they ain't messing nobody. Mm-hmm. They're walking up. They're teenagers. They're having a good they're time. They're being teenagers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're having that's a good old time. Wow. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a tough one because I 
have a, a little boy. Yeah, <laughs> so right. Like, you want you see how people could perceive him. Yeah, and right. his friends. Mm-hmm. And not only that, I guess this rolls into one of the other biases that that I feel like I've had of people in the neighborhood is that I I do have this sense of anxiety when I see in because I chose this neighborhood when I see a whole lot of white people mm-hmm. in the neighborhood. Yeah, uh, a European American people. Excuse me. I feel like, okay, I like, I get angst. Like, is this neighborhood about to be gentrified? Yeah. Like, is are they like, taking over? Are they, yeah, I yeah. have a whole sense of like nerves and bias sure. about co-opting, about are they, it, it's real. It's because I, I love mixed environments, but I know my bias says wherever European Americans go, they will take it over mm-hmm. and they will push everybody like in my head and then history supports it sometimes it supports it but I know that we're I tell myself I'm in a different place and that may not necessarily be the truth you know mm. I just have to wait and see but that's a huge bias of yeah I've heard you of, say that one before and yeah. I've I've not been defensive but been like god we're not all like that yeah. you know what I mean and I can see why you feel that way based on history and based on you know what you were just talking about but yeah that's a hard one it, it is, is hard it's hard it's hard to look at it and say like America or white people didn't just colonize and take over everything because you know I think you've said that like we take over everything or what do we not I don't know I don't remember specifically but I remember being like oh god I could see that bias like I don't believe that bias because I don't see it to be true but I can see why you do yeah that makes sense yeah it's hard so that is a good segue into my next one because mine are about white white people my my people um, white people that live in rural areas are uneducated oh wow yeah or on drugs you know, like I think of West Virginia, Kentucky, the south, some parts of the South, and then this goes with it. People in the South are racist. Yeah. Because I lived in the North. You know what I mean? And it's so ridiculous because it's nothing. I mean, there's racist people in the North as well. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. actually some of the most racist people live have come from Ohio. Interesting <laughs> enough, and if this is a side note, I always found it interesting when people from Ohio had Confederate flags on their trucks. Yeah. That was a big thing in rural areas. So that's where my bias comes from is that, again, I don't have any friends from rural areas. I really don't. Maybe had really actually, no, I don't because I lived in the suburbs or I was in the city. And so from what I've seen, it just, yeah, it seemed like they were uneducated and racist. Really? Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you said the uh, Confederate flag because maybe that's a bias when I see that flag. I automatically think Same. Sometimes, you know, I'm not even going to say a lie about this. I, my neighbor has a American flag and a Blue Lives Matter flag on a big ass truck. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm like, yo, you, you got some racist views. How crazy or, is that? Or bias, but, or bias, 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 bias. But how unfair is that? Yeah. That really is unfair. Mm-hmm. On my part, it's an American flag and it's, I was, okay, so there, that is a bias. When I see people flying a huge American flag on a truck, if mm-hmm. I see a truck, you know, I'm with like, the lift kit. Yes, yeah, yeah, and I yeah. see a white, you know, dude with a beard and flannel. I'm like, oh, you must be. You got bias. I know you do. Yeah, that is so unfair. That's yeah. unfair. Yeah, because like even with my neighbor, like that's ridiculous. He can fly whatever flags he wants, and neither of those flags are flags are problematic. And so, and I've said that I told Clean that I was like, I bet they're racist, and he's like, Are you kidding me? Like, do you realize what you're doing right now? And I was like, shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's so so interesting that we can do it. I've done it to my own people. You've done it to your own people. Yeah, absolutely. So I think something we got away with, like, what is what are we trying to do with those biases? Right. Um, And I would say with that, with the one with my neighbor, I talk to my neighbor and I'm open to conversation. And so I hear that voice in my head and I, and then I feel bad and, um, which I, I would like to go back and talk about. but um, And then I'm like, you know what? Stay open. Like, stay, stay open. open. They're your neighbor. Quit literally your neighbor. Yeah. And and be fair. He has not done one thing that said anything about mm-hmm. a bias. So whatever you just said about the, we let people say fuck you. What yeah, you? let them say, give them the opportunity to say fuck you. Yeah, I should steal. I want to steal that because same thing. Like, I don't, he hasn't done anything and it's not fair. You yeah. know what I mean? For mm-hmm. me to... He hasn't shown his hand of anything to me, been, been nothing but nice. And so I think it's a part of what you're saying is with some of these biases, you have to humanize people. So yes. like when I see the young men walking up the street, yeah. I kid you not, 
if I'm outside, I say, hi, how y'all doing? Yeah, that's good. And they all so respect, you know, like, hey, how you doing? Sure. How you doing back? And so much so that even we had somebody taking packages off the porch, mm. the porches, and one of the young men found out who the guy was, um, retrieved some of the packages for some of the other people in the neighborhood, and we were able to deliver them. It's like, so these guys are, they're, they're my neighbors too. They're a, a resource to me as I would hope to yeah. be be to them. So part of that, the, the whole boys and packs thing for me, it was just always in, recognizing their presence mm-hmm. when I see them coming up and down and say, hey, how, you know, and how school when they're getting off the bus or saying, it's cold out here, why you don't have a jacket mm-hmm. on? Or if I see it without a shirt on, I'm like, you need to save something for the ladies. Uh, you know, like yeah. you're showing all your goodie bits. Right. But just recognizing that that that's not nat- that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not natural. Yeah. It was um, right. trained into me. Yeah, exactly. And same, like, why do I assume that someone that lives in the country is racist. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's so not fair. And I think for rural folks, when you're saying uneducated, yeah. I think they struggle with that too. Oh, I'm sure. That people think, you know, because I have this accent or because I'm sure. from here, that people Oh, that's think another I'm one. Southern accents. Yeah. I assume that you're uneducated. You assume, you assume the less. It, it yeah. is. But, but, but it, it's just something that, I don't know. I've always thought that. Uh-huh. And but here you, you haven't always thought that. Something yeah, taught you that. Yeah. Something yeah, yeah, taught yeah. us that. Good point. As with all biases. Yes. Good point. I wasn't born waking up thinking that. No. Something. And and that's something you said is like let's identify where we found them. That's one I don't know. Yeah. I really don't. I have no idea where that came from. I never really knew any from from the South, so that's what kept it in place. Mm. You never had an experience. Well, now I'm married to a southerner, but but he also doesn't have an accent. He doesn't got no accent. Maybe if he goes home a little bit. He'll out come out a little yeah, bit. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, and then it totally changed when I met his friends who had accents from very smart. And that's not surprising, but... Mm-hmm. And it, but I don't know where that thought came from. Where it came from, yeah. yeah. Interesting. I know because I think it's wild, and I think if you're if if you're really listening and you're hearing this and you're like, Ugh, if we're making thinking, you mad, yeah, yeah. Well, the point of this and the point of really what we're trying to do is process process and like get you to look at your own biases yeah we're trying to normalize biases that sounds weird and maybe a little different but to me it's like you can't we don't know what we're dealing with until we put the shit out there yep and you can't change a bias you can't create relationships until you even know that you have them yep and i think what we do is like especially white people we don't want to admit that we have them because it makes us a bad person. Mm-hmm. So I want to. I want to stab you. I want. I want to. Sorry. <laughs> I'm feeling. I'm in my feelings about yeah. this. By me and my feelings. <laughs> um. So it it does not make you inherently bad, according to I believe, to have thoughts, to have negative thoughts about people. Yeah. What makes it bad or what makes it not moral is when you act on them. So if I purposely didn't talk to my neighbor or was rude to him because I just assumed he is racist, that's when it becomes bad. When you have thoughts, they are just that. They are thoughts. Yeah. You know, and I've dealt with this mental health. Like I would feel bad when I had, you know, thoughts or anxious thoughts and I, what's wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with you. You're human. Yeah. Thoughts don't make you bad. You know, um, having thoughts about people that may be negative don't make you bad. It's what you do with those thoughts. Oh, it's always what you do with those thoughts. Yeah. I would say that I treat, so what I do is actively, well, first of all, I acknowledge the thought. A lot of this is what I've learned in therapy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, acknowledge the thought and you say, oh, thought, I see you. I really don't like that thought. Mm-hmm. I see you. I don't have to believe you. I think something that's also very important to realize is like, you don't have to believe every thought that comes in your head. Sure did. I wish I knew, but when I was in therapy, I was learning like the average amount of thoughts that we have a day. And I mean, if you think about that, how many of them are truth? We all think things and it doesn't necessarily make them just because you think it doesn't make it true. Yeah. And so I think the important work is to acknowledge the thought and then question where it came from. Yeah. That is the hard part. That is the hard too, part. Is because it is. when I am acknowledging where some of this come from, come some of my biases come from, some of it is rooted in truth. Sure. And some of it is because somebody else said so. Right. Or because those are mine or someone else said so. Yeah. And someone in power. 
like mine have been people in my life that I trusted, mm-hmm. that I looked up to. And I will say biases start young. Yeah. I really believe that. Well, mine did start young. My one about the city and black people, you know, like black uh-huh. neighborhoods being dangerous. Um, and it came, and it's interesting because it came from my family, but it came, it, I don't, I really don't believe it came from a place of malice. It just, they had never what they had seen on the news was mm-hmm. black crime. You know what I mean? So they had never experienced an African-American community. Um, and so they just believed in the stereotypes and never felt the need to challenge them. And I think for me, what's powerful about what we're doing is we're identifying them and calling you guys in to challenge your biases. Yeah. yeah. That's why we're doing this. We're not here to talk negative about groups of people. Yeah. We're just here to be real and honest and talk and share how we've changed. Yeah. Or are working to change. Uh, working to change. So uh, another bias that I have is specifically towards men, mm-hmm. um, which is, I don't, I, I don't know that I, how I'm going to work through it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm fumbling on it. I don't know how I'm going to work through it, but I just don't, I don't trust men with young yeah. children. Sure. Um, and I was never um, sexually abused or anything like that as a child, but I am, uh, I have been assaulted, and I know that I spent a lot of time in therapy just trying to work through even letting my own husband do things with my my own children. You know, specifically yeah. my daughter. Um, but I really like don't I I have oh, I a can thing. It, it, it it stirs up this feeling like all men are not dangerous. <laughs> I was just gonna say that. That's mine. I have been I've witnessed domestic violence uh-huh. um, from a young age. And mine is men are dangerous. Men are dangerous. Men are inherently dangerous. And I will put it out there. I mean, I, I still, to this day, when Clayton and I fight, I was just telling my therapist this, um, I'm afraid he's going to raise a hand at me. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Please, yeah. I'm not trying to put that out there. But, you know, he knows this and he's heard you say it. There's not one part of him that I'm afraid of. Right. Like, it's not him. It has it's nothing to do with him. that men are... Men are... Da- like, because what anger with... Anger with men equals danger. You know, so if a man gets angry, mm-hmm. my life is in danger. And all men are like that. Mm-hmm. They're not. But you know what I mean. Like, yeah, I had yeah, that yeah. bias. And so getting married was hard, you know, because you're going to argue. Like, if he raises his voice, I'm still afraid, you know. And so I assume that. And so it's been hard for me to be with men in leadership positions, even at work, because I've been afraid, you know, mm-hmm. for something. And so I just assumed that all men were dangerous. And of course, that's not fair. I mean, I'm married to a wonderful human being. Yeah. That would never happen, just never happen. Mm-hmm. And so, but there's still that bias and fear there. Yeah. And, you know, now that I'm processing this, a lot of times these biases come out of fear. Yeah. Because I know that my family and the when they didn't want me to drive downtown, it was not malicious towards anyone. It was just they were afraid. So when, when we listen to fear, and fear is a very powerful emotion, yeah. when we listen to fear, it keeps those biases in place yeah. and it can be paralyzing. Yeah, when you lead with fear instead of facts, you ultimately oh, are so making... Good. A, a probably a damaging situation 100%. Yeah. for yourself and for the people around you because yeah. I know I have to live with the number of experiences mm. that I prevented my father my father I'm not saying my father my my daughter's father and her from having my husband that. from having because of my own fear because of my own bias that and there was nothing there that would show you otherwise you know what I mean yeah right and it was no absolutely it was I've been I've been sexually assaulted twice by people that I was a person that I thought was a friend and then a person that I just kind of knew casually so I have this level of distrust 100% towards towards men and I'll say that even extends if as I've said before in some of my my biases earlier that extends to European Americans there's a certain level of just distrust I have to constantly have this conversation in my head about okay is this real like Jack is this real has someone showed you this like and that happens all the time that's why I can't stand being me sometimes (laughs) because it's a lot of work of like trying to process people like it's like it's Everything is a difficult math equation. <laughs> and so it's like, I feel I'd like love I'm to be in your head. <laughs> <laughs> no. Maybe I'd be tired within five years. You'd probably be tired. <laughs> but it's just everything is so 
it's 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 everything is a production to yeah. me in its own sure. right. Um, just ha- genuinely having relationships and um, and dealing with my own biases again. That comes out of my own lived experience that I just am like holy crap. Yeah. And then learning the traumas of other women in my family, I'm like. Well, and then same for me. Like I, I could see exactly what you're talking about. I can't relate to the race part or cop part, obviously. But so you have historically had some bad, like num- numerous bad experiences with cops, right? Absolutely. And so for me, I've had, I've seen and had bad, numerous bad experiences with men. Mm-hmm. And so it's very that bias is very hard for me to work on mm-hmm. because my brain wants to go, but look at the fact. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because they are facts in our yeah. lives. You know what I mean? Like your experience with the cops is very real. My experience is very real. My friends have been through, unfortunately, a lot of trauma with men. Mm-hmm. And it's even hard when you look around you and you you look at the media and you see how many men have sexually harassed or assaulted women, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very hard to not keep that bias yeah. and be like, what the hell is wrong with men? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Actually, I will say I have thought that before. Mm-hmm. And I'm still working through it. <laughs> but that's why I say the facts, it's with the individual. Right. It's not just exactly my history tells me, like I said, when I get that fear of, oh my God, are black people coming to gentrify? What are mm-hmm. they coming? Mm-hmm. The history tells me, hell yeah, girl. Right. Like, right. you better pay attention. You better stay woke. Like, history says stay a lot, you know. But then I have to look at, look at these individual people and say, is this what they came here with the intention to do? And with those specific things, because I'm learning so much because we're having these conversations I am learning how to help people that look like me prevent those things from well, happening yeah. so talking to my neighbors about home ownership I'm talking about specifically my fear with mm-hmm. white people will take everything talking to them about home ownership like where's your credit at like we are working with people in the neighborhood because we understand that real estate and property is a part of keeping communities sure. and keeping good people in communities and if you're now if you don't understand that if you've never had that happen in your life or you've never been around people that have owned then then of course why would you these, know then why would you know and of course that when the person that owns that house decides that the value of that house is enough to where they need to sell it and they're not going to rent it mm. then you're gone right do you know what I mean and I don't want my good neighbors black white or indifferent to just be gone mm-hmm. because they didn't have the tools so like with that sort of anxiety I'm just learning about what it means to be an African-American and and live in a, from a place of equity and live from a place of ownership and and mm-hmm. share that so that it's not a fear it's a it's right. a choice right it's a choice you know what I mean yeah I like that it's a choice instead of a fear mm-hmm. that's really good um and then I think I have one last fear. I don't like okay. <laughs> Uh oh, are you nervous about this? No, okay. not at all. It's just because it's it is rooted in it's something I still worry about. Ugh, I get so sad. It's my kids. It's my kids. Hold on, let me take a sip. I have a bias towards white teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, when it specifically when it comes to my son, sure, I have a lot of anxiety. Um, when I know that every last one of his teachers is white, I just I oh, like well, have, okay. I have a. I know that. I do like it because we've had so many instances where we've been in school systems where he was the only African-American kid and he was treated as if he was he was a problem. Mm -hmm. And so for me, at one point, I started believing that my son was a problem Mm -hmm. until I was, you you know, had the. I had the, the privilege of being able to be in the classroom to attend field trips and to see that it's like, holy shit, like my son is doing, of course, my son, when I'm there, he's going to behave like an angel. <laughs> but when I see what else is happening in the classroom with other kids that don't look like him and they're some of the same behaviors and I see how it is dealt with, I'm like, it, it hurt. Yeah, because it, it broke my heart because I had a child who now believes. So when I don't have, when he doesn't have educators that can understand him as a little brown boy, because I think there's a different, again, there's a different experience there. There's a different, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but it is different. It, that don't necessarily take the time to understand that or even empathize with that. He, I know that he's going to feel like he's a problem. And in 
I know that the school to prison pipeline is a very real thing. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it is it is something that if I allow people that don't um, that don't look like him to just constantly put paperwork yeah. on him rather than working with him, then he becomes another one of those boys set up for the school to prison pipeline. Wow. And it it scares Imagine me. if you're not even aware of that as a parent. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, so I, I, so what I do to help myself is I make a concerted effort to build a relationship with his teachers, oh, smart. so that they humanize my son and they understand that he does have good parents, right? And that he doesn't come from a place of where no one gives a crap about him. But then it, it worries me because I know that there are little, little chocolate boys and girls that don't have parents that are able to do that or know how to advocate, right? You know what I mean, right? It. it it hurts because yep. I think and you it, can't save everyone. There's nope, and do. it does a disservice. So I have this thing about I wish that there were more more men that were educators. I wish there were more people of color yeah, in our right. schools. Yeah, that as much as I have the bias towards men. Yeah, <laughs> no, that, I, I feel that, like there's something to a male educator though that you wouldn't get with a female. That would be you, very. That would be great. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. It is. I I know that as as a young boy, as a boy in general, there's some things. And prime example, the other day, my son had a substitute teacher, and he acted a donkey. I mean, he showed his ass. The sub had to call. She called me. <laughs> But it was a retired little black lady. I know yeah. it was her. And she was like, listen, I am not going to put paperwork on him. I was I'm there for fit. that. She's yeah. a great teacher. She was great. She was like, I'm, I'm going to, she's like, you know, we don't, I don't want to do that to, to my boy. Cause I know what that, I know what, I know what this school system will do to our boys. Yeah. And she just flat out said it. She was like, I'm not going to put, I'm just going to tell him that I'm going to do it. She was like, but I'm, I'm hoping that he gets his, but her even acknowledging that there is a system mm-hmm. set in place and that I understand that it is peer pressure. I am a substitute teacher and there he wants to put on a show. Right. But I can look at him and tell he ain't got no business doing this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call you and let you know. You know, like it's that sort of relationship building. Whereas if that was any other kind of teacher, any other teacher other than that one that looked like him and understand the plight of little kids in his community, it would have been just like oh, go to the office. Point. Yeah. Go to the office. Because they wouldn't understand. Yeah. Yeah. That he's around. I mean, well, not to say understand. that little brown boys are rowdy, but there is something too. Little, all little boys are kind of got this craziness to them. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They do. Yeah. So I was grateful. I, yeah, she was good. I feel safe. Well. And that's, I don't, I feel like my, I don't worry about my daughter so much because young ladies are held differently. Mm-hmm. But I do get nervous when yeah. all of his teachers are right are oh, I can Caucasian see that women specifically. And there's just different lived experiences that we know that. Yeah. Wow. Well, I don't have any more that I can think of, do you? No, I'm looking at my... We shared some real truth, though. Yeah. It was uncomfortable, and we made it through. We made it through. So how do you feel now? I mean, it's just... it. Let me just say this. (laughs) That was great. I just say this, is that... Though I have put these cards on the table, that doesn't mean I'm not going to pick some of these cards back up. Great way to put that. Same here. And... It is going to be work, and it is going to take continuous work to and same for our listeners. leave those stuff cards. Yeah, and especially if you keep, I think what happens, like, people like, they like to keep their stereotypes in place by seeking out examples. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that fit it. Yeah, because I've had that Validating. happen. Yeah, like, I've had that happen when I'm like, okay, well, all black neighborhoods are not dangerous. You know, I had friends and family, what, what about East Cleveland? It's all black. You know what I mean? And, and uh, you know, I'm from Chicago and I get sick of hearing Chicago's sure, terrible. Sure, yeah. sure. And, but what happens, but they don't, but those are also the people that don't have in re, like deep relationships with people in the African-American community. Yeah. You know what I mean? To realize mm-hmm. that it's diverse and there's white communities that are just as dangerous. We just don't talk about it. And so I think that it's also good to not try and to try. If where you seek out examples of to keep your your bias in place, do the opposite. Try yeah. and seek out examples of I like that. Yeah, of like something to dispute it. Because there's certainly there's certainly ways to do that. I mean, a lot of it does come through relationship. But even if you're like, I don't know. I just think that's important. Yeah, to make that point. Yeah, is I that just so what it is. I was just gonna say that. That's my so what now. What is like, we have biases. We have they stay in place for different reasons. But I would say if you identify your bias, actually try and find a way to undo it. Well, first of all, ask where it comes from. If you can't figure that out, which is 
understandable. It ha- right. I mean, a lot of men, I don't know. Seek out examples of why it's not true. I bet that it wouldn't be that hard. No, not at all. Unless it's, you know, unless it's a neighborhood thing where sure. you gotta go I'm, and you're in an area where you can't yeah. get to folks, but... I I know that, like, mine with the rural, rural people, I have... My family lives in West Virginia. All it is is takes just making a trip down there, getting to know some people that live in their neighborhood who mm-hmm. are very lovely people, you know, mm-hmm. from what I've heard. And let and, and be open and very smart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And be open to it. Yeah. So what's yours? Um, my so what I think I kind of said it too. My so what is is I recognize these biases and um, I'm sure I have plenty more. Yeah, me too. I just excuse I'm, me. I have plenty more. Um, uh, but I understand that if, if if I know anything from being a person with PTSD, that most things are a process. Mm. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I do not fear the police. I do not have a sense of. I don't get uncomfortable because that is a damn lie. Right. Because I do, and I still know that my process, even though I have one, is always going to be having to be fine tuned mm. because. I, Life will, life will look, life in the media will ramp you up. Yes, that's true. Um, so it's it's a continuous process. Um, and like I said, now what is I continue to understand that the human in me will always have bias, and I continue to understand the human in me can choose to allow those um, biases to drive my life, or I can choose to take the wheel. And, and, and kind of steer my life. Ultimately, what you're saying is yeah. seeking out ways seeking to... Seeking out to undo them or challenge yeah. them. Yeah, but I still ain't going to... Look, I'm just going to say this. I still ain't going to drive through Stager, Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get me... Look, you can't get me to do it af- after dark. I'm just saying that. Yeah. You just know the truth. You just know the truth. Yeah. Facts. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I think that's it for this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, yes. Christina, for sharing. You too. Thanks. And we were open. Yeah. It wasn't as bad as I thought. Nah. I don't know why I thought it was going to be bad, but hey. it wasn't bad. You are not alone. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I'm here with you. That's true. Right. I think it's we can do this because we're friends. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right, guys. Well, thank you. As always, stay open, stay curious, and make it a great day. Um, so we we talked about implicit bias, which is obviously, and I think we even referenced the episode that we originally did on it. Um, I will tell you, this episode made me think, though, that we should put something at the end as a debrief. Yeah, that's a good idea. Like how we not feel afterward. Well, yeah, I mean, how we feel or what we learned or what do you mean? Yeah, just a, like, just a, okay, like, taking all that in, because you said something very powerful about, listen, like, we are not doing this to just put it in the air and just be, it's for it to be damaging or to, um, it's not, it's not being shared, we, we are sharing with intent, with the intent of you evaluating your own self. Yeah, taking a look at um, your own prejudices and how you 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 act on them, whether you know that those are there, which is what implicit bias is or not. And then, um, yeah, I think there's power to that. That's a really good point. It's like you can't emphasize enough that we're not saying it just to say it. And there's no, it's it's harmful to share biases with people just for the sake of sharing. That's not what we're asking people to do. If that's not clear, what we're asking them to do is identify them within yourself, identify where they can possibly come from, and then how can you overcome them actively or how can you work through knowing what they are and trying to live despite them. Exactly, because you you said it and you said it once, and I think we just caught we touched on it. But I was like, just we probably need to reiterate that you know what this is. This is about that personal journey that we talk about, and why that personal journey is so important. And we talked about safe places, and um, and I had some reflections just about. You kept, you were saying, you know, where did this come from? Like, where did, I don't know. Actually, this is what you did. You were like, I don't even know where I got these things from. I don't even know where I got these from. And then at the end, you were like, you know what? I know exactly where I got them from, people that I love and trust. And I think there's something to you saying that and also reiterating to people that even though 
you got some of your biases from people that you may have to look at and be like, huh, that, that they too have done the best that they can. This is like a new conversation because you're not looking at those people like, oh my God, they're terrible. They no. have biases because of them. I'm looking at them like, okay, no one to do better. Yeah. Right. That's such a great point. I'm glad you bring that up because no, the biases that now not everyone's experience is like that, but I can speak from my own, which is, you know, what we always do is mine were not passed down from a, from any a reason of malice or hate towards another group. <clears throat> it was just about biases that had been in place from their family. You know what I mean? And I think that's for one subset, but I think specifically related to race, that's what happens. It's like, biases are passed down by from parents from grandparents and if we don't acknowledge them like we're doing and challenge them then they stay in place and a lot of times nothing in our lives especially as white people asks us to challenge them yeah. we don't have to you know what I mean like we don't and this is just in regards to race we shared some that weren't related to race but for the most part our privilege allows us to not and not acknowledge the biases related to race. And so um, it wasn't until I turned older that I, and started doing this with you, that I looked my biases square in the face. Yeah, look them in the face and like stare them down because it's what you want to do. It's not something that you're apologizing for. It's not something that you're asking for forgiveness for. It's something that you're acknowledging and you're taking your own personal journey. Yeah, and that's, I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up because that's so true because I think what happens with white people, especially what I could see with biases is they, we, there's a, a guilt. Like you automatically feel two things, shame and guilt and shame and guilt often make us um, defensive or make us want to hide. Right. Which mm -hmm. are also useless when trying to deal with bias. You know I mean? You can't hide um, if you want to deal with it. So I would say, in regards to what you're saying, no, I, I'm not apologizing for my bias. And I'm, you know, and I don't, you're not asking me to, and I'm not, you know, asking for forgiveness for having those thoughts. Again, now, if, reiterate, if I did an action or I let those biases impact the way I treat other people, then it's a problem. But, you know, for having a thought, it's, again, my opinion that, no, I, I, I'm not a bad person or that I don't need to seek forgiveness from you for having a, you know, implicit bias about your race and yeah. same goes it goes both ways you know what right. I, mean? I need to ask you saying you don't need to apologize or feel bad about a thought that you have towards a race or group yeah. it's what you do with it it could start it out we're not apologizing or um apologizing or asking for forgiveness because that's that's not the place that we're coming from either it's just a place of awareness like to me the whole reason that we shared this was to start the conversation look at it this way, to invite other people into the conversation to feel comfortable to say their own biases out loud. Right, out loud. Out loud, because I think, or, and share them with someone, but in that sharing, you have to have, keep in mind to have a clear purpose. You're not sharing just so you can sit around and bash an entire group or, or be negative. It's like you share, but then what? You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's something that people have to think about, but then what? Because i when I think about my, then what it is, it is, it is, it activates a level of activism for me. Yeah. For sure. So it is, how do I, so in particular with a certain group of people, how do I put myself in a place where I can do the things that dispel that bias? You know what yeah. I mean? I can be a part of the, the, um, the policies locally and the things that, that where I can be and, and e put my own mind at ease so that I'm not thinking this one thing about this group of people. Right. I think it speaks to the project that we're, you know, the community initiative things that we want to do is being involved in a place where we're getting people to think about these and bias in what they're doing in their activism. Right. How is it impacting where they show up? Yeah. Their relationships. I think for me, the biases that I had, especially, you know, that will be shared them already towards African-Americans or even people from, you know, I keep forgetting we're doing the debrief so I can say it out, out loud, but, yeah. you know, people from the South is like, what it did for me, it could be a barrier to relationship because I automatically, I talked about my neighbor with the, you know, two flags and, and I had to work on those biases because they were a barrier to relationship. And so those bar so those biases 
we're impeding some real things in my own life. Yeah. Um, And you don't realize it until you say it. Yeah. And I will tell you what I got from this episode too, is, um, listening to us talk about our biases. I was like, holy crap. In a sense, one thing that rushed over me was Jim Crow. Yeah. Wow. Like Jim Crow created. It was all bias. It was all based upon bias. It was, it was, when I think about the biases that we have specifically for, for, for me, for my own people and yeah, for me with, for my own people, I think about how uh, Jim Crow's a huge part of shaping these biases. And like, we're still working on that. You know, we're, we're still working on that. Again, myself being one of the first generation of kids being born post Jim Crow. It's like, we're still trying to get that mindset away. Right. Uh, we're still trying to, and I was like, okay, if I can establish a root, <laughs> if, I can, if I can look at a root and say, hey, you know what? It wasn't by my own doing. It was, it was X, Y, and Z, but what I can do is change what I do next. And even getting people that don't look like me to say, you know what? Here's something that was done that speaks to your bias, like it validates your bias, right? By law, Jim Crow laws, you know? And we didn't do that. But this is what we were, this is what uh, the group of people living at the time were living with and it shaped us. But now that that's over, we have to, now that we're reshaping the laws, hopefully for the better, now we have to reshape our minds. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I listened to an entire TED Talk on bias so it was very interesting. And one of them came and I, I don't know the name. It's a specific type of bias though. It's like self-fulfilling prophecy. So like you hear bias and you go and try and seek out what you believe. You try and find evidence, you know, around you to support your bias, to keep it in place. Yeah. And I think we have to, right. And so I think that's what a lot of what you're touching on. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I, I'll have to look up the name, of, but it's a specific bias where you really, oh, it's confirmation bias. I'm almost positive where you know, you have a bias about a group of people and then you seek out information to keep that bias keep in it, place. Keep it in check. Yeah. And so what, what we're trying to do is tell you to do the opposite. Yes. <laughs> we're actually trying to tell you find evidence against your bias. That's, you know I mean? yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So like, say you have an, a bias about African-American communities or you had them about the police or I had them about rural America, um, we're, we're telling you to do better so we can all do better. So in, instead of what we, so we naturally seek out information to support what we believe, right? Mm-hmm. That's not with bias. That's with everything. So mm-hmm. like, you know, you see it in the new, any belief system that we have, of course, because we, we value ourselves, right? Most people do. We think <laughs> we're smart, right? I would hope. So we're always going to be seeking out information to support what we believe, right? And so we're actually saying, hey, why don't you flip that on your head? <laughs> flip that on your head, on its head, and seek out information that actually con- contradicts and challenges what you believe to be true. Right. Yes. Yes. Beautifully said, Christina. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's that. And, and like you said, flipping on your head and then to, so between looking for evidence to almost like I, it, to make myself not feel as guilty. Like I was like, I do feel badly. I feel poorly about the way I feel about my own people. So I'm looking for these things and saying, yep, these things were not right. They were wrong. They were made up. So it, it wasn't me just doing what I do and, and establish it was made up. But then like you kind of said, looking at um, what kind of conversations did I hear when I was younger? Right. In passing. Right. Right. What kinds of things, and then acknowledging that those little conversations and things that I heard in passing from my grandma, from my father, from my mother, from all these people, these same things are happening with my own children. Yeah, absolutely. Right, and the thing, take it that step farther. Well, one, it has to, you have to realize what those small conversations did and how they impacted you. Yep. It's like a three-step process. You have to look at the, look at those conversations, look how they impacted you, look at the bias they created, yep. and then 
find evidence to undo that bias. Yes, Christina, because it's crazy. That whole chain of things that you just said, it's like those tiny conversations, those tiny things were huge. Yeah, absolutely. And we don't realize it. <laughs> no, I'm an adult. I'm figuring out that I, like I didn't like mine with my with you know I said like learning that you know going downtown Cleveland was dangerous and that mostly African Americans lived there right those were not messages that were like black people are bad black people are dangerous right no one in my family came out and said that by any means but the messages that I was hearing planted in my mind that communities of color are dangerous yeah so what's that going to do? That's going to keep me as a white person from ever stepping into a community that doesn't look like me because I, because before knowing anyone in that community, I automatically assume it's just dangerous. It's dangerous. Yeah. Girl. And I will tell you, amen. When we do this, right. I know that we're debriefing on this specific episode is that in doing this work, you stand to lose a lot speaking oh, your own truth. And what I do want people to understand, because it's important to me that it is understood that you personally are doing what a lot of people are afraid to do. Yeah. Completely, because this, this it will, well, for not so much for me, let's just be honest, because in my community, this is old hat. We've been talking about it. Like, we're talking about it, we're acting on it, we're doing all these things, but um, but for us, like having the conversation with you, yeah, that's, that's something I've been challenged on before. Like, why are you even, what are you getting out of this? But then when I look at what it is that you're trying to do, I have to tell myself that you stand to lose a lot and you're really challenging <laughs> yeah. a lot of people's existence. Absolutely. Are, or whole paradigms or ways of thinking. Their fundamental way of thinking, living and being. And it's important that we understand that, or it's, I think it's important for people to understand, yeah, this is Jackie speak. I think it's important for people to understand that, that just because you're being challenged doesn't mean that we're saying that you are just a wrong or bad person, as you've already it's said. I just wanted to come from the other side is that I've been challenged many times in my life from my parents, from my teachers, from my friends, from my husband, from my children, and it hasn't felt good. Right. You know, when your kids get to a point where they're right and they call you, it doesn't feel good. But I understand that there's some growth to be had. Right. You get in a mindset that I'm telling, I'm saying, or Christina, I'm talking about you. You're saying that hmm, um, history has not been favorable to the kind, looking at the the kindness of people in your skin, right? It is just had, if we really assess history. Now, you are, what you're trying to do now is say, you know what, I, I'm getting to know history truthfully. Right. It's my husband. <laughs> I'm getting to know history as truthfully as I can, but I'm also taking this journey to try to be the best history maker yeah, I that I that. can be. Yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, that thumbs up what I'm trying to do, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just want people to understand that because when, when I say my biases, biases, it's easier for people. I think it's easier for people to stomach. I could see that, for sure. Especially, like, an African-American woman coming from the bias towards the police, like, that makes sense. You know what I mean? It makes perfect Based sense. what we've seen, I don't, you, most people are going to be like, yeah, I can, wow, but I feel like I, if you are a white person saying what you have biases against, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's bad. I'm wrong. What it's just, intru- you bring up a good point when, when neither one of us are better than the other, because we both have biases. We both got them. Yeah. But if I take my biases about black people, I could get, a, I look, I just stand to get a lash back from both people. Yeah. And that's the truth. And that is what I'm, that is the truth in that is that you stand in judgment on two sides of a coin. Right. It's like Heavily. on this episode. Yeah. On this episode. Yes. It's hard. It's hard. Because because I could anger both, and I get that, I could anger both sides of the coin, but the other thing is, and that's but why I feel empowered in this is, I know it doesn't matter if people don't side with me or open up with their biases, that they have them. <laughs> like, I am not unique, you know what I mean? I'm not unique at all. You make that special. 
not, not, you know, I mean, not in the sense that I have biases and if people, and, and that's why it's okay to me. It's like, it doesn't matter whether people want to admit them or not. I know my truth and I know that I'm human and I'm just sharing my humanness. That's all. Yes. To being history makers. I'm trying. Hey, it's not, this is not easy. I'll tell you that much. Though my, they would say pimping ain't easy. Say, uh, <laughs> it ain't easy. But my brother just shook his head. No, pimping ain't easy. <laughs> I don't know what to call it in this this instance, but it ain't it ain't easy. But I just wanted to make sure that that was acknowledged acknowledged because I personally feel like there is um there is a there's a need for that. And I will tell I can't take a whole lot of I can't I can take credit for that. But I actually in having a conversation with one of my old friends now at home and we were kind of talking about it and it's like if you flip it around and this is in no way shape or form comparing you to um to this particular person but i can understand um i can understand why she had a tough time so if i look if i were to look at it in my own side what um harriet tubman was trying to do right she was trying to get and people were like are you crazy Drake? like <laughs> are you right. crazy we're not going like and she's like, look, you coming or you, you're not. Like, right. see her as this, like, chick, like, you coming or you're not. Like, I'm going. And I'm taking as many people as I can with me. Yeah. And there were black folks that looked at her like, you're going to get us all killed. Like, you're going to. Um, so I, when I look at that plight of a woman doing that sort of thing and doing that plight, and I look at you like, I'm going. Y'all, I'm coming. Who's coming? Jump in. <laughs> Who's coming with me? Like, I'm scared, too. I'm right. like, yeah, absolutely. it's just it's yeah, just a different time, a different struggle, a different um, because what you're doing is very it's not a popular thing. It's not something that you see a lot of European Americans do. And um, I acknowledge I just want to acknowledge that. It needs to be said. But yeah, especially with an episode like this. Right. And it's powerful because I I'm just hoping that me sharing other white people. I'm not even asking that they come out and pronounce their biases. I'm not sure how much that helps anything, but I, if it just helps you have that conversation with yourself, like that's, you know what I mean? Like that's the starting point. It doesn't, you don't have to go find someone to bear your soul to and talk about your biases. It's just, if you can admit the biases you have to yourself, that's where you start. I so happen to have a great friend who's open to hearing my biases, you know what I mean? And to talk about it with, but you don't have to have somebody. I mean, you know, we're always about the practical. You do not need to have someone to talk about this with. You need to, I mean, it's ideal if you can have an open conversation, but you just need to look at yourself in the mirror. I'm talking to the I mirror. <laughs> I knew the minute I said that. It was you saw me joking. <laughs> I Maybe it wasn't meant for me to say. Keep saying it. It wasn't meant for me to say. Oh, this is it. This is do this something is with it. Powerful personal episodes, I think. Yeah. 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 Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so it's true. We we really hope you guys enjoyed the episode. And yeah. um so get yeah. uncomfortable with us. Yes. Boom. And talk about it with us yes please message us in all the places all the places yeah. um, so you can find us on facebook instagram twitter or gmail your neighborhood at gmail.com or we have a website your neighborhood.com ooh, ooh, ooh. okay